passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most restless sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rewind a Dynamite. My name is Wei Ting, and I am joined this week by Kate from Montreal. How are you doing, Kate? I'm doing okay, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. Of course, you know, we are just uh, coming off a G1 season, so uh, we're giving John the night off. Uh, We will also be giving him the night off on Wednesday. But those of you looking for your Pollock fix, go and uh, scroll down your feed right now and listen to the latest edition of Pollock and Thurston, which John just did, uh, talking to Eric McGracken of the uh, talking about the UFC antitrust lawsuit. So do go and check that out. But um, Kate, it's nice to get you on Rewind a Dynamite. I believe this is this your first time on Rewind a Dynamite. I was trying to remember, and I think it is. There might have been one other time, but uh, I'm not even sure about that. But so yeah, let's just say it is. Okay. All right. So uh, we will be promoting this as if it's the first time. And uh, but of course, it's not the only time you can hear Kate's thoughts on AEW because she has since become uh, since maybe the last time we spoke. I'm even trying to remember at this point. Um, Last time we spoke was the second week of Collision Course. Gotcha. Okay. Then, but (laughs) well, uh, (laughs) since we spoke on the. on outside of Collision Course, she has, of course, mm-hmm. uh, become one of the co-hosts of our AEW Collision Review, heard every Saturday night with John Ceno in the Post Wrestling Cafe, and you and Ceno have been doing a great job with that thus far. Thank so, Thank you. Um, looking forward to getting your thoughts tonight on Dynamite, but first, we have a few news stories that we should probably get to, and uh, Kate, glad to have you around to join me as we talk about uh, the latest in the world of Tammy Sitch. Uh, Tammy Sitch, and first of all, these stories come to us from postwrestling.com, and this story comes to us from uh, the one and only, the youngest in charge, Andrew Thompson here. Tammy Sitch. On Wednesday, Tammy Sitch, Sonny Sitch, pleaded no contest to a DUI charge that caused the death of a 75-year-old man named Julian Lasseter, as well as other charges. She could be facing up to 25 and a half years in prison when she is formally sentenced. The 50-year-old WWE Hall of Famer pled not guilty in May of 2022 to the same charges, but changed her plea after reaching an agreement with prosecutors. She has been held without bail 
bond at Volusia County Branch Jail since May of last year. At the time of the accident, Sitch's blood alcohol level was 0.280, which is three times the legal limit of 0.8 in the state of Florida. THC was detected in her blood, according to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Sitch was also charged with one count of driving with a suspended and revoked license and causing death slash serious injury. Those are both felonies, and the first charge is a second degree, punishable by up to 15 years, while the second charge is a third-degree felony punishable by up to five years in prison. Sitch was also charged with four counts of DUI with damage to person, two counts of that charge with damage to property. So some movement here in the uh, Tammy Lynn Sitch story. Um, Very unfortunate, of course, but uh, any thoughts on maybe the result thus far? I mean... Look, this is not someone who has shown any propensity or capability to help herself. I think that it would be best for her to be in a facility where she is able to get help. And if that means prison, it means prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What more can you really say? You know, um, I think it's really I mean, we saw the Dark Side of the Ring episode talking about her life. It's really terrible to think that somebody from my childhood that I've watched on my TV screen for such a long time would somehow end up maybe in this sort of position. But um, this, you know, she she caused the death of of a very innocent man. So uh, that is the latest on Tammy Sitch. Uh, We also have an update here on the whereabouts of Lacey Evans. Somebody, of course, um, I don't even know she was drafted. Do you remember, Kate? I thought she had been, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I could be remembering that wrong because I'm not. She was drafted at one point, and now I can't remember if it was the last one or the one before that I'm thinking of because uh, she didn't feature heavily in either mm. case. Well, Lacey Evans is no longer with the WWE. Uh, this story comes to us also from Andrew Thompson at postwrestling.com. On her social media platforms, Lacey Evans changed her profile information to formerly known as WWE superstar Lacey Evans. She would go on to add that when the clock struck midnight yesterday, people would address her as Macy Estrella, which is her real name. It's been both confirmed by Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer and also Fightful that Evans is no longer with the WWE. The company has also moved her to the alumni section of the website as well. Um, Kate, I don't know what you really thought about, you know, Lacey Evans' WWE run, but I've certainly had plenty of complaints, not necessarily with her uh, performances, but really with the handling, uh, especially of her second run. Mm -hmm. Um, Any thoughts on your assessment of her career, I guess, I thought she was someone who I remember seeing in NXT and I think in the first Mae Young classic. And I thought that she had a lot of potential. Her character presentation was great. And I thought that she was getting off the ground well on NXT. She was then promoted to the main roster way too quickly. I mean, this first started like her first Royal Rumble appearance. She was the first person out. And so there was a lot of attention on her. She acquitted herself but not that well her performance was a little spotty and when you're the first person out you've got to go for uh, for a long time generally speaking they then promoted her to the main roster they pushed her way too hard way too quickly above the level where i think she could perform i think she was still developing in nxt and should have been left there as a result they lost any goodwill that she might have had because she was being pushed into main event matches with becky lynch she was being pushed into matches with uh bared with baron corbin uh, against becky and seth rollins that were just terribly laid out and really exposed her uh 
was his shortcomings? I mean, she hadn't been wrestling that long. It was just way too soon. Then, of course, there were the beginnings of this absolute dog shit program with Charlotte for what it looked like. <laughs> she got pregnant, which is probably for the best. I can't even imagine what would have happened to her if they'd actually been able to go ahead with this full program. Mm-hmm. But Where she was, um, I guess, almost uh, seducing Ric Flair. Yes, uh, or being adopted, well, not adopted by, ooh, that, I just made that sound weird, uh, being taken on <laughs> as, uh, uh, by a men- as a mentor by Ric Flair. At any rate, she got pregnant, she left, and then she came back, and there's a sort of tra- tragic comedy to the way that she was brought back, where there was all of these false starts and new characters and was she a baby face and was she a heel and this god-awful presentation of her very real trauma that was then exploited for uh for almost for lols like like she was then reintroduced as a heel like we were supposed to listen to these horrifying stories of her youth and then just think like well that woman is such a bitch I, we've talked about this before. I, I don't know what they were thinking. And Lacey, again, because she was pushed above her abilities and because there are certain things that she said on social media that would lead one to believe that she's not a terribly likable person. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people will dismiss her. I think that she is thus far an unproven quantity. And I think that she is going to be saddled with this kind of WWE baggage in a way that that few people have been because she's going to have to recreate herself from scratch if she wants to stay in the wrestling industry. I don't know if she does. And I don't know where she can go with that because she's not going to get picked up by AEW. She's not a good fit for them. And I don't know if Impact there's like they're getting full they have a lot of women there and they they are doing a great job with them but uh, i guess i could see her there i saw some people online suggesting she should go to nwa to fight camila but honestly i think that might be the best match for her hmm interesting i mean um I'm, I'm unaware of like you know what other ventures she's got outside of professional wrestling but it's also hard for me to see AEW pick her up um I could see her in impact. You know, I could see like she's somebody of like, I would say not huge name value, but somebody with name value that might attract a little bit of attention and as a place to, you know, if she truly wants to maybe um, show off what what untapped potential she had within the the WWE. I think that would be a great roster for her to show show Mm -hmm. that. Um, Now, I'm just trying to think back to her WWE career and like we've had several restarts, you know, the, these, mm-hmm. these, these video segments that felt incredibly earnest at the time. Um, and then just somehow ended with a weird, like, you know, prompting of the crowd to give her a standing ovation, which felt at the time, like it was uh, like intended to give her a heel reaction. That was sort of like completely perplexing. And then she had her final sort of like push with the army training videos, if you remember, um, where she started to really put over the Cobra clutch and that ultimately didn't result to a whole lot either. Clearly like this was somebody that they saw a whole lot of value and potential in. It explains how the, the big push that they gave her early on. She seems to take like a very much a leadership role in any of their sort of, um, training camps and also, um, um, I, what, what do you call those? Um, you know, tryouts and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so by all accounts, seem like somebody that they really wanted to be a star. But man, 
a lot of it just didn't yeah. work out for a number of different reasons. So yeah. Yeah, that's Lacey Evans here. Uh, our last news items are some ratings here for Raw. WWE Raw uh, did 1,757,000 viewers with a 0.55 rating in the demo, according to WrestleNomics, of course. Down 7% from last week's total viewership and down 10% from last week's demo viewership. Raw's It was lo- Raw's lowest rating since June the 12th, but only the lowest demo number since July the 31st. WWE NXT this week. Garnered 680,000 viewers with a 0.19 in the 18 to 49 demo, down 12% from last week and 16% down in the demo from last week as well. Let's talk about this week's edition of AEW Dynamite. And I think, Kate, maybe the biggest questions coming in uh, to this edition of the show, not even necessarily about any of the matches, but uh, what else would be announced for AEW All In? At this point, we are less than what, 10 days, 10 days away. Uh, A little birdie told me it was 11 days. 11 days. Okay. Depending on when you're listening to this, I suppose. But um, I think a fact that that's been brought up, brought on is that um, they, you know, this AEW dynamite airs on some sort of like um, delay for, of course, a broadcast on in the UK. And therefore I don't even know if next week's edition would even air on TV for those of the UK. So they were probably expected to announce a full card by tonight and it feels like they have, would you say? I think that they have the 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 big matches that they want on there nailed down. This being a Tony Khan company, there's always going to be some stuff that's put in there at the last minute. I'm kind of expecting there will be some, although they said that the, the zero hour is just one match. I am kind of expecting that they will do some kind of battle royal uh, both because it's a way of getting more people on, it's a way of featuring local talent, and also because it, it was a feature of the original All In. And I'm increasingly convinced that when it comes to this one, the reason why it's branded the same is because they are trying to present it as something similar as opposed to a one of the regular AEW pay-per-views. And what do you mean by presenting it as something similar? You mean just in terms of like risk and and scope of like growth or or in terms of the card? What do you mean? I think that they are trying to do a lot of matches that are more feature matches with – there's not – the storytelling going into it hasn't been – uh, I mean, there there are stories going into it, but it doesn't feel like anything is culminating there. So it's almost presented more as this kind of celebration of of wrestling. And I think if that's what they were meaning to do, they should have communicated that a lot more clearly, uh, other than just saying, well, it's another all-in, because I think most people were expecting a regular AEW pay-per-view on the regular pay-per-view cycle, which is why it's weird having this one the next day week yeah. I don't I'm, this is just a, a terrible example I I, I I don't know that I think that the the Wembley show was a good idea at this juncture yeah I mean rather than like um I don't think this was intentional you know I, I think I think I'm sure they would want to like culminate storylines if they actually had storylines to kind of culminate if they had a plan if they knew what talents they might have been working with for this particular show I'm sure that would have been the case I uh, Sorry, go ahead. I mean, it's it's hard for me to think. That, I mean, I guess the Forbidden Door is very much of, of that similar vein, right? Yeah. You know, put a bunch of like hot matches on paper and then just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, go from there. I, I just can't imagine like thinking 
we have 80,000 people here. This is being billed as the biggest wrestling event of all time. And just, just presenting matches the same with your same roster. You know, it's not like that half the roster is not on this, not, not on these TV shows. Well, I think that you should be highlighting your own roster. Like I, I was always a little iffy about the, sure. uh, the idea of, of having like multiple, like a lot of people from different companies. Although if you were going to try to pitch it as a forbidden door style, more just hot matches, then maybe you should have been doing that. But it just seems the timing for this is so weird when you have one of your regular, like one of your regular pay-per-views coming up right afterwards. It, you know, one of these is going to fall through the cracks. This should be the biggest show you've ever done. It should not feel like one of your regular shows and it doesn't, but it also does. Like it doesn't feel like something that much more special, even though there are matches on here. I desperately want to see, and they do have, stories that they could be culminating at all in i think that the the big miss that everyone is pointing to is kenny omega versus konosuke Takashita should have been at all in because that was one that a lot of people wanted to see and i think have... i think they wanted to see omega osprey more even more than that like even if you heard about the Takashita match there probably would have been complaints yeah. about people but you're not even getting the Takashita match right yeah now. exactly and i think people would have been willing to accept him versus Takashita in in lieu of uh, him versus Osprey. I think it's a little weird that one of the arguments for not doing an Osprey singles match, aside, you know, aside from the fact that it is over a New Japan belt, so you do maybe want to bring it back full circle at Wrestle Kingdom. A, nothing wrong with doing four matches. Mm-hmm. B, they did it with they did it with Omega and Okada. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but uh, but B, one of the arguments for not doing. Uh, Omega versus Osprey was that Osprey's coming right out of the G1 and is going to be kind of banged up. And maybe that's the one where I think you might have wanted to put him in a multi man match. Um, For to all in? Sort of protect him. Yeah. To look. Like, I mean, I'm just, willing to bet Osprey himself would, would be more than willing to have that singles match in. in one oh, match. I'm sure. I'm sure they you both know. would. I'm sure they both would. I mean, I think that uh, the, I don't think it's their call. Right. To, to do this. But then you also have this thing with Wembley where up until a few weeks ago, four of the biggest stars in your company were not locked down to new contracts. And that's where this just strikes me as folly. Why would you book this huge show when you're not going to know until the very last minute what the plan is for uh, Omega, the Bucks and Hangman? Like, so, so, so to clarify, because um, you said Wembley was not a good idea. Do you mean the yeah. timing of Wembley of this particular show was not a good idea, or just the act of holding this? Uh, event the, the timing, the timing, yeah. and but the timing by a lot. Like this is something that I could see. Maybe if you want to do next year, like maybe that's where you like you know, do a forbid, like actually do Forbidden Door there and have it be like your big five year anniversary party. This just, there are so many, you know, up until a few months ago, like when they booked this show, they didn't know uh, for sure that they were going to have Punk. They didn't know for sure they were going to have the Bucks, Omega, or Hangman. They did, like, they they don't they don't know if they they were going to, they don't know if they were going to have them for long-term contracts, but I believe they were going to be on the show either way. But but whether or not you have them locked down to long-term contracts is going to affect 
what you do with them at the show. You don't want to be pushing these guys as your absolute biggest stars if you know that they're leaving in a few months. Because it's funny, like, despite, like, so now they are there for long term contracts, and yet two of the four are in multi man matches. Yeah, but because they were kind of shoehorned in, because I think that they were waiting to see what happened in, in order to, to plan out what they got. So in the end, you ended up treating them like they were leaving. I, I definitely want to know, because uh, I haven't been on Twitter since um, the, the rest of the announcements throughout tonight, so I definitely want to know what some of the audience feels about tonight's all-in card. You can, of course, leave your feedback at forum.postwrestling.com, or if you're in, the, you're in the chat room, you can send a super chat, you can just you know leave a comment here, and then we'll just simply... Uh, you know, go through along as uh, other people will be uh, watching live and reading your comments as well. So let's go through this edition of AEW Dynamite. It is Fight for the Fallen. This show announced um, sometime last week by Tony Khan uh, it, because uh, all three shows this week between AEW Dynamite, Rampage, and uh, Collision will be in support of the Maui, Maui Food Bank to help victims of the uh, Maui wildfires. I, um, Mm-hmm. awful awful what's happening there i've just seen some photos and it's just like it's it's straight out of like you know a, a terrible like disaster movie so um yeah. nice of AEW to like bring out this like sort of fight for the fallen branding um in order to justify you know something like this not that it needs any sort of justification but it was a a nice little act that they uh tony khan decided to mm-hmm. do here we start things off with orange cassidy versus wheeler yuda for the international title uh as i Try to grab that graphic here. Okay. Um, Quick question. Wait, did you get the theme music tonight for Dynamite? Because for me, it was just a very cold open. Like it just cut immediately to orange. Like, you know, it's Wednesday. I'll be honest. I I started the show a bit later, so I didn't even notice myself. Yeah, no, it just, it seemed to cut right in and I wasn't sure if that was my feed or what. Anyway. Mm, Okay. Uh, So Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler Yuta for the international championship. Um, Things start off here with as they fight in the ramp where Yuta delivers a pile driver to Cassidy, allowing Yuta to control most of this match. Cassidy, of course, is still dealing with all of his injuries, including his neck, including his knee, including his hand, which Yuta specifically targets. Yuta taunts the crowd as he locks in several submissions. He bites on the hand. He stomps on the hand. Cassidy comes back as he mounts a comeback. But out comes Mox and Claudio ringside. Cassidy at this point throws his shoulder pad right at Mox before delivering a paradigm shift to Wheeler Yuta. We get a Superman punch from Cassidy, but because uh, the announcers are telling us that with Cassidy's injured hand, every time he delivers the Superman punch now, it's weaker and weaker and weaker. So Yuta pops right back up with the seatbelt attempt for a two count. Orange Cassidy then reverses a pile driver attempt into a seated pin, and Cassidy even holds onto his own tights to uh, seal the pin. And I guess you're allowed to grab your own tights, right? That's not against mm-hmm. the rules, is it, Kate? Yeah, no, it's only... It, it, it's only- a problem if you grab someone else's yeah like in jujitsu i don't think you can um I, I, anyway you you there anyway there, there's some technicality anyway he grabs his own tights locked in the pin and he wins and right afterwards the bcc come into the ring to attack orange cassidy and out come the, the best friends for the first time since the parking lot brawl and then out come the lucha brothers and then out comes eddie kingston straight from the g1 kingston targets claudio they he runs mox and claudio out of the arena and Kingston then challenges the BCC and whoever they can find to a stadium stampede match at Wembley Stadium. So the team is Kingston, Phoenix, Penta, Trent, Cassidy, and Chuck taking on uh, the Blackpool Combat Cl- Club's Mox, Cass, uh, Claudio, Yuta, and two unnamed opponents so far. Three unnamed opponents. Three unnamed opponents, yeah. yeah. 
um, yeah, I don't know who that's going to be. And to me, the, I, I did not see, like, there, there's been a lot uh, leaked about what we could expect. And of course, the, two of them got uh, confirmed tonight. Uh, this one was not. And to me, it's by far the most exciting announcement of the night. The idea of doing like a stadium stampede match in Wembley mm -hmm. is just crazy. And I want to see how they do it. Uh, I think obviously you want to take advantage of the, the, the whole structure of the, you, know, you need a way to engage the crowd on an ongoing basis. I think you have, you heard the reactions, the, the sort of building reactions, the more people came out, these these guys all have a uh, pretty high currency with the crowd now, including the best friends who I think had been very much on the back burner. They had the, that great parking lot match a couple of weeks ago. And so, you know, the crowd was hot for them and it just built, you know, they're even hotter for the Lucha brothers. And then Eddie comes out and everyone loses their mind. So this was a very exciting moment for me. Um, and I thought when I heard that, I'm like, okay, that's going to help, uh, that's going to help offset some of the criticism that they have been getting for this show, because this is a big deal. And it's something that does specifically take advantage of the location. Yeah, I'm, it remains to be seen, like how di different this will be from Anarchy in the Arena, which they did not that long ago. Um, mm -hmm. I certainly don't anticipate maybe um, a cinematic match. You know, the way that no. uh, stadium stampedes in the past have been, especially with, with a, a group as serious as the Blackpool Combat Club. So is this going to just be maybe a bigger version of, you know, anarchy in the arena uh, throughout the venue, perhaps, you know? I think that they may incorporate some cinematic elements. But yeah, my feeling would be it's going to be a little more like anarchy in the arena, but just taking advantage of Wembley. I'd be surprised if they didn't have some cinematic parts but i guess having that many people involved could potentially allow you to be doing spots in the crowd and also spots backstage if you will at once yeah. uh just, just to know for you kate because i'm hearing a little bit of bang on the microphone so if you uh just if you Sorry. wouldn't mind just being a little bit conscious of, uh, and aware of that sure. um yeah i think as a way to give us a multi-man match rather than you know the clear indication to me at least seems like it might be mox versus um orange cassidy at, at all out um or at least that's what i i'm feeling might be mm -hmm. might be the big match and then maybe you do kingston and claudio as well or something like that but to give us some sort of like prelude to it in a multi-man setting and to not have it feel like it's just sort of like a throwaway undercard mid-card match by labeling it stadium stampede i mean which in the past has main evented double 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 or nothings makes it feel like it's it's a big deal so um let's see what the three other three are that could help elevate maybe what this is but i think it's the match type alone that'll probably have a lot of people very interested for this mm -hmm. being a, an anticipated match uh, and just to clarify, I believe like there there were um in in Dave Meltzer's rumored card from I, I, at this point several weeks back there was something involving BCC versus Orange Cassidy mm -hmm. and, Eddie, and Eddie Kingston, but nothing yes. indicating Stadium Stampede. So mm -hmm. that seems to be interesting. Uh, all right, up next we've got Chris Jericho or sorry Kenny Omega speaking to Jim Ross in a sit down interview at Daly's place, and this took place um 
uh, at some point over the past week. Kenny talks about wanting to move past this Don Callis feud. He's looking to move past him because he chooses to remember the good version of Uncle Don. JR brings up Takeshita as Kenny's replacement. And Kenny talks about his history with Takeshita. And at this point, we even see footage of the two together in DDT. Kenny believes Don choosing Takeshita was a direct shot at Kenny's heart. At this point, Don Callis actually shows up at Daly's place. He distracts Kenny to lead to a big attack from Jay White and Juice Robinson and Kenosuke Takeshita. You had some great cutaways to Jim Ross here, who's just like, he's just like, oh, this shit again. You know, I knew this would happen. <laughs> like a man who's just pretty much seen everything at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And they beat him up. Uh, and then before I get to your thoughts, Kate, we get a um, the reaction basically from the announcers. And then we go to later on, in a hospital, outside a hospital in Jacksonville by way of Greensboro, North Carolina, Hangman Page is there as he um, challenges Juice, Jay, and Takeshita to a six-band match with two of Kenny's best tag team partners in Kenny with Hangman and Kota Ibushi at Wembley Stadium. So your thoughts on the segment as well as the announced match, Kate? I'm looking forward to the match. I think it's going to be really good. This one was the one when this leaked that just seemed to cause a bloody riot online. The extent to which people were hating on this match and referring to it as just mid-card shit was surprising to me, but I guess in the absence of the big singles matches that they wanted. This is the kind of thing that's going to happen. I think that that level of vitriol is unfortunately going to damage the perception of the match. I actually thought this whole, like the the setup was kind of clunky, but I think the reason I thought it was clunky was because we all knew where it was heading. And so it just seemed like, okay, we have to connect the dots. We have to get there now. Uh, Yeah. I, I feel sorry for this match because I think it's going to be really good. It's just uh, uh, poisoned by the reaction that it got uh, when when it was leaked online. Yeah. Well, I think that reaction, I I haven't seen the reactions that you have, but if there's sort of criticism to, to this match's announcement, I do feel like it's justified or at least, you know, compared to maybe what expectations might've been. People again, you have to remember again, Kate, people who bought tickets to this thing or people who were looking forward to the show, I think we're expecting, you know, at best, a Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay three mm-hmm. to be in this stadium. Um, and then maybe a, a, at the very least, a Kenny Omega singles match to have a multi man, six man tag, a trios match with Kenny Omega. And granted, you know, two of his closest tag team partners in Kota Ibushi, who I still consider an attraction and, and hang, you know, Hangman Page together. Um, it's going to be a good match. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it. But like you mentioned earlier, I don't see much story culmination here. If anything, this is to lead us to Kenny Omega versus yeah. Kanosuke Takeshita the next week. And yeah. rather than, you know, on a, on a stage as big as that, a stage that I think so many people considered like a WrestleMania level stage to get a, a prelude match mm-hmm. and not even for, you know, a, an Osprey versus Kenny. I can understand why people would be so disappointed. I can understand it to a certain extent. Certainly the people who who bought tickets in good faith and were thinking, you know, 
this is this is going to be I love a I love what this company is doing. I've been really into the characters. You know, I, I, I feel very excited by where they are currently and who had the expectation of getting uh, good, like, you know, high like banner singles matches. Mm-hmm. I get that. I think where my sympathy begins to wane, and I did see a lot of this online, were people who have basically sort of thought like, okay, this company has lost its luster. I haven't been impressed with anything that they've done in months. And to people who have that mindset, who went out and spent hundreds of pounds on getting tickets to a show from a company that has apparently been disappointing them for months. I don't think you then get to say, I'm so angry that I'm disappointed because what were you expecting? <laughs> so I think that the, the, and again, this is, there is, I understand uh, the, the disappointment in not getting some of these people in big singles matches. I really do. And I think a lot of it is good faith criticism, but I saw a lot of what I would consider bad faith criticism uh, mm. coming from, from people who, as I said, if you haven't liked what the company has been doing up until this point, then getting angry that they're putting on a card that you don't like is akin to getting angry at the casino when you lose your money. Have they explained Juice and Jay's involvement in this feud? Uh, not exactly. I mean, they they did make a a big deal out of the fact that all of them were going to show up at Dynamite uh, when they announced the Guns versus the Bucks on Collision. There is not no, beyond that. No, they haven't. And again, that's why it feels like maybe I was going to say maybe you're starting off something, but no, of course you're not because everyone's kind of siloed on their own shows. So, they, like, I agree, it does feel shoehorned, and that's why I was saying that this uh, the, this build up the the two uh, sort of background scenes felt pretty clunky to me, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, obviously, like, you know, between Jay no White, good explanation. I mean, between Jay White and Kenny Omega, I, uh, I mean, there's obviously enough, like, you know, history between their Bola Club mm-hmm. connections um, to be able to tell those stories. I believe it was Jay that actually, like, you know, replaced Kenny as as leader, um, at least in very mm-hmm. close succession from one to the other. And um, I feel like it's easy to tell the story, but I think it's the idea that it's um, – we have we've had no indication that this yeah. would be any sort of like you know culminating point with uh, either Kenny Omega or Jay White or Juice Robinson's stories on their own TV show so far, um, and that's just you know how it, Tony Khan seems to book right. Like sometimes mm-hmm. he books with like the match first, and then you tell the story. Um, I think all I kept thinking too for the, the this first half of the of the show was like I remember. Driving at one point from Montreal to Toronto, and I was making, I noticed I was just making really good time. I glanced at the speedometer and realized that I was driving at about 160 kilometers an hour. It's about 100 miles per hour for those metric resistors. And I remember thinking, like, wow, I feel, you know, I feel like I'm getting there. You know, I, I feel like everything is working. But I also know it's a bad idea to go this fast. And that's sort of how I felt watching the beginning of, of this episode. It's like, we're getting there, but my God, are we rushing? And it shouldn't feel this way. Again, it's the biggest show of your entire company's history. This should have been where you were very careful with the planning and execution. And 
especially, you know, you're going to have problems with injuries that I would say particularly affects the women's division right now, but you need to approach this in a much more systematic and analytical way in order to make sure that your biggest show feels like your biggest show. Mm, agreed. Uh, let's go up next here because Don Gallus is actually in the arena. He is got his Chris Jericho segment here as Chris Jericho gives his answer about whether or not he will join the Don Callis family. There's a ton of heat as usual for Don Callis. Jericho says what happened with the JAS broke his heart, but it let him evaluate his priorities. He says he needs to join a scumbag as low as he is. And he says yes to joining the Don Callis family. And Don uh, celebrates with them. They're about to leave. But then Jericho sees the framed photo covered up in the ring frame painting i should say that's in the ring here uh Callis says pay no attention to it it's not a big deal and then jericho goes over and unravels it and it reveals a painting of Callis holding jericho's severed head jericho at this point believes Callis was going to have him assassinated because he thought he was going to say no Callis admits yes he thought Jericho would say no because of his massive ego. Callus calls him narcissistic, calls him an egomaniac who doesn't deserve to be in the Don Callis family. And Jericho says nobody knew who Don Callis was three years ago. He's lost his family, Kenny. Now he's lost Jericho too. He says Don is an asshole. At this point, Don slaps Jericho. Jericho backs Don into the corner, but out comes Takeshita and out comes Will Ospreay. Osprey attacks Kenny with a chair to the head as Jericho blades and Callus smashes the painting over Chris Jericho. So uh, later on in the show, of course, you had Chris Jericho in the back and he challenges Will Osprey to a match at Wembley Stadium. He in the, con- the, the content of the promo basically suggested that, Will, if you wanted a match, you could have just asked because they were due to have this match uh, before the pandemic occurred. So um, following up now as, as that explanation for Osprey versus Jericho as part of this greater Don Callis feud. Your thoughts on the segment as well as the match, Kate? The segment was a little weird. Like I was left wondering like, what was like, what was Callis's plan? If like Jericho said, yes, it seemed like, I guess he went in with a plan for sure. He's saying no, I don't know. Like (laughs) I, this felt it felt like I was being asked to make too many leaps of logic here. I also thought that it suffered because with the painting in the ring, it immediately called to mind the uh, Jericho and Kevin Owens Festival of Friendship scene, and that one was so good and so and and so engaging. Uh, this one didn't come close to that, and it just again in the same way that the previous segment felt like okay, we need to rush to get. Uh, to get the setup for the six man. This felt like we need to rush to get the setup for Osprey versus Jericho. And this is another one that was leaked quite a while ago. I didn't see anyone who was excited about seeing it. I'm still not thrilled about seeing, I get, you know, I'm glad that they mentioned the, the story about them missing out on the opportunity to have that match. But I guess it's one of those things, and this is the difference that you have to negotiate between star power and a great match. When Sammy Guevara ran in at the end, I would just rather see a really good match. So I'm sitting there thinking, I think I'd rather see Guevara versus Osprey, and perhaps we'll get that at some point. But that's not your marquee match. Jericho versus Osprey is much more, but 
I just don't know. Is that the best use of Will Ospreay on a card like this? I don't know. I well, I mean, I think, the, I think I think a Jericho-Ospreay match could be very good. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. like big, big stadium Jericho in a singles context with enough bells and whistles. Not that he really needs it. I think the man can still go, and especially against oh, Will yeah. Ospreay. You know the match is going to be actually pretty, very good, is my prediction. Yeah, um, uh, I would like to... Th- think so i'm also just thinking like that the last time jericho's last pay-per-view match was versus adam cole right like that one yeah that that one didn't go so well and uh, yeah like I, i think it'll be a great match is it a big enough match to i think offset some of the disappointments with the build to this card i don't know if i'd say that yeah i mean again you were talking about chris jericho right now that i think is is maybe suffering from some of the lowest like reviewed like most poorly reviewed um i don't know segments or feuds in in quite a while Mm -hmm. um yeah so he doesn't necessarily have like so much goodwill from the audience as he did maybe even a year ago Um, and and he certainly won't in the UK. That's the other thing is that right now you've got Callus, who's this monster heel mm-hmm. who is aligned with Osprey, who in the UK is absolutely going to be the baby face. Yeah. So the dynamic is just like, this is one that to me, you do it all out and you find something else for, for uh, Osprey to do it all in because once you move to the UK, you completely lose the dynamic. So, you know, again, I mean, whether or not Will Osprey was supposed to be on this card I, I, or if he, he kind of, you know, no pun intended, willed himself into a spot on the show after at the press conference for Forbidden Door. We don't know. It's hard for me to think if you had will access to a Will Ospreay through New Japan that you wouldn't put him in London. Uh, but nonetheless, this, you know, look at it. You, you, I think you're going to get a Will Ospreay win in London. And <laughs> for that reason, mm, does that limit the options of opponents that you could pair him with from the AEW roster that's regularly featured on TV? I can also see them, you know, Os- Jericho and, and, and Callus is a major storyline right now. And Tony probably wants it featured at all in. Um, and maybe this felt like the best fit. You know, I'm 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 certainly of the boat that like you know is is wanting honestly anything but Omega versus Osprey involving Osprey was going to get a big deal of criticism. Now, <laughs> would it have been uh, less if it was yeah, I don't know Osprey versus Hangman Page or or, or uh, CM Punk or, or something like that? Well, uh, even maybe, if you were gonna maybe... even if you were gonna do a multi man match like you did, uh, you did like. Omega, Hangman, and Ibushi versus Takeshita, Osprey, and someone else. Like, that's maybe, that feels to me because of the story involved, like a bigger six man match than the one that you've got. So. Mm-hmm, right. So uh, Jericho Osprey again, uh, you know, in, in the body of this callous thing, I predict that Jericho will probably be a heel that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, Jericho uh, Osprey is a And he has no face. problem playing one. Yeah, and then somehow they'll, you know, just explain some sort of, like, bizarre world thing for to carry the TV show on. No mention of the United Kingdom Championship, the newly rebranded United Kingdom Championship. And then graphic doesn't state as much either. So I wondered what the renaming was, I guess, other than, you know, to to promote for some other UK shows. Yeah. Uh, all right. Nick, uh, up next, we've got uh, Jack Perry, of course. Okay, Jack Perry says he's the best FTW champ to ever live and says next week on Dynamite, he's going to retire the FTW championship. So we'll see what that means. Nick Wayne and Darby Allen taking on the Gates of Agony, Toa, Leona, and 
Bishop Khan. Uh, again, sorry, I'm doing a whole lot here trying to show these graphics, and uh, there we go. All right, so Fox and Swerve sit on the ramp to watch as the Gates of Agony attack Nick early on and just maul this kid through a commercial break. He gives Darby the hot tag as Darby, with the Nick Wayne assist, gives Khan a crucifix bomb for a two count. Nick Wayne hits Wayne's World to Khan, and then the two of them are on the same turnbuckle as they deliver stereo coffin drops and moonsaults to their opponents. Moonsault to the floor from Nick Wayne here, beautifully synchronized by the two of them as Darby and Nick Wayne get the victory. And uh, before I go into that, after after the segment, what do you think about the match, Kate? I really like, I love uh, Darby and Nick Wayne together. I think that they've handled his intro very well. I I like seeing Swerve come out. He, this whole Darby, Swerve, Nick Wayne, AR Fox thing has been low-key one of my favorite things about Dynamite for the last few weeks. It does beg the question, why isn't Nick Wayne in the match at all in? And like that, to me, was your opportunity to do a six-man. is like, like do the trio with the, the two of them and Sting and find someone else for, for Swerve and Fox to work with. One of the, you know, maybe Brian Cage. I... I thought I kind of wish the match had gone a little longer. This is probably uh, in terms of wrestling. This is my favorite match on the show. And yeah, it's in furtherance of, of an angle that I like, and that has been quite gripping. I don't, and yeah, I don't know where you're going to go with it eventually, because it feels like uh, these are all people who are on the up. Like these are all people who, who have some good momentum so when you're doing a feud, you have to pick and choose very carefully who wins and who loses when. We'll see what happens. Like I, I'm, I'm certain that Team Darby Sting is winning it at all end, but that isn't the end of the story, which perhaps goes to the point we were making earlier about uh, uh, about this not being a, a show where they're culminating a lot of storylines. But yeah. That's- so after this match, Sting appears on the screen and says he's now gotten into directing movies. He's got a new leading man as he takes Prince Nana into the frame, who he is holding hostage backstage. Uh, you know it's the backstage because you're seeing a bit of red light here, and uh, as we will discuss. Uh, mm-hmm. Prince Nana is uh, in fear of what looks to be the return of Joker Sting. And this is very much, you know, Sting doing his sort of like Heath Ledger uh, and doing a very good job of it, you know, I, I might add. He scares Prince Nana away and uh, just a bit of mind games to Swerve and Fox in the lead up to that match at Wembley. Uh, any thoughts on the return of Joker Sting here? I quite liked it. It's funny, like you were saying Heath Ledger. I actually thought Jack Nicholson, uh, like even older than, okay. uh, yeah, than that. Be. Like I think there were other elements of, of both. But uh, I I liked this. I thought it was just sort of weird and, and entertaining. I, I loved the fact that in the middle of this, he did the nine days reference. Of course, recalling one of Tony Khan's very few appearances where he – quite excitedly uh, called a match that was going to happen in nine days and unfortunately kept repeating himself and repeating himself. It became kind of an internet meme as his awkwardness on camera always does. And then that's when Nana told him, actually, it's 11 days. And so I thought that that would, I mean, that mistake makes it clear, like makes it clear to me that it was a joke about the the Tony Khan thing. I I thought this very entertaining. I thought Nana played a great sort of 
chicken shit. I, uh, again, I've really been liking this program. I think that they have, have hit this. This is one where like every beat has been good. It's been, uh, it's been well handled throughout. So a bit of Joker's thing almost uh, running in here. So um, I, I totally agree. I mean, they're sort of like one of the um, sleeper hits of this entire cycle. You know, I never thought Swerve, especially like with, with AR Fox, would take such a huge step up to the point where, I mean, it's to me one of the most well-built programs heading into mm-hmm. all in here. So I totally agree. And probably a huge reaction being set up for Sting in Wembley as well. Up next, we catch up with MJF and Adam Cole, and it's another one of their skits, and they're here to do some research on their opponents on the buy-in Aussie Open. And to do that, they decide to go to Outback Steakhouse here. Have you ever been to an Outback Steakhouse, Kate? I have not, no. I don't know if we have those up here. I don't – I was going to say, I thought I thought I remembered seeing one in Toronto, but I don't remember ever going to – I'm. The only thing I know about Outback Steakhouse is Bloom and Onion, and I'm very sure I've never had one of those. Mm, okay, well, I think you'd be a terrible opponent then for Aussie Open because MJF and Adam Cole... Oh, for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> MJF and Adam Cole go to Outback Steakhouse to do their research, and they come out of it feeling like MJF says this was the best food he's ever eaten in his life, and therefore he is scared because their wrestling must be 10 times better. MJF then um, shows more research outside about Backstake House. He's got a video of kangaroos fighting as he <laughs> he delivers a kangaroo kick to a wall. And all throughout the, the rest of their appearance throughout the evening, he's trying to build up this kangaroo kick as this un, unbeatable move. Their next version of the double clothesline, basically. We get a scene in the back where they're crocodile hunting with inflatable crocodiles with some guy in the back getting outraged. They then deliver a double clothesline to this man in the back. And then we get a cutaway to Tony Khan, or at least the Tony Khan sign in front of his office as he yells at MJF and Cole for delivering double clotheslines to staff members. Khan comes back out and acts like his old friendly self again before uh, closing the door and putting on his shades. And then a Ferrari pulls up in real time as Cole and MJF are inside as they're making their way out of the arena. As Strong and the Kingdom barely miss him, and Strong hurts his foot, kicking at the tires of MJF's Ferrari. Um, have you been a fan of these Better Than You segments? I haven't had a chance to speak to you about them. Uh, I have. And uh, this one maybe went beyond the, the goofy meter for me. I found, like, Americans have, like, two Australian jokes that they've been using since 1984 and they really are getting like it's it's too much it's funny because I noticed in the middle of this Bronson Reed the former Jonah tweeted something along the lines like you know why are people so lazy with their Australian humor I mean as soon as I saw it I'm like waiting I'm like okay when do we get the kangaroo boxing when do we get the kangaroo boxing like I knew it was coming and yeah this was it also just struck me as of all the weeks to feature Tony Khan being a hard ass, even behind closed doors, perhaps especially behind closed doors. This is the wrong week to be doing that. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was cons- maybe he's trying to salvage his image, but uh, weird decision. In general, though, I've actually really liked these, and I think that they have been absolutely key to the success of this team. And if you look at the the viewership patterns when they've been on TV, then they have been very successful, but that's accomplished because of the introduction of humor as 
with the whole bloodline Sami Zayn story, that worked because Sami was just this putz at the beginning who was just trying to like attach himself to the bloodline. He was a comedic character. Like we, we get to empathize with people when we find them funny, not when they're serious all the time, which is, is why I never get the, the complaints about having a world title uh, program augmented by humor. But yeah, all this to say, I've liked them very much. This one was a bit more of a miss for me. I, th- I think the key there is augmented. You know, you can do comedy as long as you can go back to like, you know, the, the, the beaten potatoes of it all and, and be serious when you need to be. And I thought this next segment really showed that these two mm-hmm. had that ability to do so. Uh, yes. Just by the way, um, Bronson Reed's tweet, the perpetuation of the Australian stereotype this country has had since the 1980s is lame. And he ends it with a word that I don't think I could even um, say on a, on a podcast, but um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, MJF and Adam Cole, they are in the ring here. And the reaction, of course, is huge. You know, like good or bad, these segments, I mean, it almost doesn't even matter as long as they hit that sort of tone. People are going to love them even more, and, and and they're going to be that much more endearing to this crowd. And they certainly were tonight because uh, they come out here. Cole hypes up the zero-hour tag team match. MJF continues hyping up the kangaroo kick, gets the crowd to chant it. But that's uh, but they say that's not the only match that's happening. Cole, at this point, talks about the main event title match being the most important match in his life because he doesn't. He there was a point where he didn't know if his career would be over not that long ago. And he's going to get to have a main event at the biggest show in wrestling history with one of his best friends. He says he needs to win this match more than Max can ever imagine. And he tells Max that he's going to do everything he can to win when that bell rings. And MJF, not to be outdone, grabs the microphone and he says, when he joined Creative Pro for his first day of wrestling school, he was told to write down the names of two dream opponents for his future. One of those opponents was Cody Rhodes and the other was Adam Cole. He talks about being at the original All-In in 2018 where he DM Cody Rhodes trying to get on this card and Co- nobody knew who he was at the time, he tried to shoot a shot. And then Cody eventually messaged him, said, you're all in. And he had a chance to open a pay-per-view that he says he had no right to be on. But the opportunity did allow him to impress Tony Khan. He would go on to get uh, signed to AEW, and then he would battle from the undercard over to becoming world champion. And he says, without all in, there is no MJF. He's now the AEW champion. He's in the main event in front of the biggest crowd in the history of the sport against his dream opponent. But that alone doesn't mean everything to him because the triple B means everything to him. He says it symbolizes everything. Missed deaths, missed births, studying tape for countless of hours. He says he loves Cole like a brother, but a win at Wembley would make him legendary in the history books. They both do their catchphrases as Aussie Open comes out to attack. They're about to double clothesline Mark Davis, but he escapes. And then MJF is about to kangaroo kick Kyle Fletcher, but he also escapes as MJF taunts Aussie Open. Cole is then behind MJF, teasing a super kick before deciding not to do it at the last minute. And the crowd chants, hug it out, and they do. So uh, this was a big segment and um, got got a chance, you know, for the two of them to maybe get out of the comedy to be able to deliver a set of, I would say, very strong, what felt like go-home promos almost. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that this was just excellent. And I thought that they... Uh, the reason I think the comedy has worked for them is because it has felt natural to their characters. Like it did not feel like they were just becoming different people. 
but this was the other side of those characters and they felt completely true to who they were. They, we know that both of them are incredibly strong on the mic, but they do see there's something between them where they actually make each other better. And this was a great example of that. And MJF says, as soon as he starts talking that, uh, you know, Oh, that's a good story. Mine's better. Like there is this competition as there often is between friends. One of the things that I noticed with Cole, and this isn't the first time that he's done this. He refers to MJF as one of my best friends. MJF refers to him as my best friend. There is this subtle inequality that's being introduced. Another thing that uh, I thought, because it, it took me a second, the wording that Cole used, I don't know if this is accidental or not, but so little is accidental on this show that I'm inclined to think there's something to it. When he spoke to MJF, he said that uh, he needs to win more than anything you can imagine which is the exact words that Stone Cold Steve Austin said to The Rock in advance of WrestleMania 17. Mm. So the again, you start to be you start to make yourself paranoid, but this is a company where these subtle little details are often being used for effect, especially and, with these two. Yeah, and and to take a quote from such a well-known program and to, like, the fact that it's verbatim. It's not that he said something similar he said the exact same thing mm-hmm. this this of course follows um the last time these two hugged on screen where cole did the sort of fist to the back of njf mm-hmm. similar to what he did before uh in nxt when he was about to turn so yeah i i thought this was a really strong week for for these two i mean the addition of this aussie open you know buy-in match i think to a lot of people felt very perplexing and very unconventional but I have faith in these two to be able to t- use that. Like they wouldn't be putting that match on unless, I mean, obviously it was, it's to draw attention to the buy-in, but I also have faith that they wouldn't be doing it unless it was going to greatly accentuate the main event that night, or at least, you know, the course of the story throughout, throughout these months. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I thought tonight was a great set of promos. Yeah. Uh, and then in the back, they cut the <laughs> Roderick Strong, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett watching the back at Strong Isis's foot. So not only will you, uh, does he have a neck brace, you might see a foot cast. Maybe he's in a wheelchair coming up next too. So um, it's interesting what they're doing with Roderick Strong. I mean, you know, if you're looking for sort of like um, Looney Tunes comedy, he's seem- mm-hmm. seemingly providing it. But is that all just sort of a misdirect before things get serious with Strong? I tend to think so, but mm. what do I know? Renee is in the back with Jericho and Jericho, and this is where Jericho challenges Osprey to that match. Uh, and then up next, the most anticipated match, I would say, of this edition of AEW Dynamite, maybe most anticipated match all year. We are in Nashville, home of Jeff Jarrett, and he is about to face Jeff Hardy in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match what were your oh, first of all have you seen this the texas texas chainsaw massacre any iteration of it and uh what um, were your expectations okay i'm gonna i'm gonna make something and i apologize to the people who are viewing this or who are hearing this only because i'm just gonna make a little adjustment which is um i am in fact wearing 
a Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt. Okay. <laughs> so that yeah, there's that, that one. Uh, that's not going to go over well on, on for the people listening on the podcast. But hello, video friends. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm kind of. I'm kind of a horror movie fan, and uh, I. I'm a big fan of the original. I think it's uh, <laughs> iconic. So this match was made for you, Kate. I'm so glad. No, you it was show. not. No, oh, no, this no. is. Perfect. Notice I said original. <laughs> oh well, come on. They did better than the original. I, I bet. Um, I'm <gasps> glad you're review you're re- reviewing this, Kate, because I have not seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre any iteration of it. Um, I feel like John might have. He's more of a horror movie buff than I would be. But I'm very glad that you are here to guide our audience through uh, the many, many, many uh, accurate references. I'm sure. Um, throughout the this match okay it is the texas texas chainsaw massacre death match um i guess in promotion of like a new version of the thing that's coming out we saw um advertisements i guess all, all along the barricades and everything so things start off here as jeff hardy comes out with a leather face mask and face paint how, how did you think this make makeup job looked on jeff hardy I thought it looked. I thought it looked great. I thought I often like his his crazy face paint. This one was very striking, particularly in the low light. Not Texas Chainsaw Massacre material, but I shall accept it because it's Jeff Hardy and it's who he is. Yeah, I thought it was a really nice, maybe a, a version of his. I guess um, I don't know usual face paint here. I'm sure he loved the idea of this match. Quickly, Hardy immediately goes to the back where the hallways are very dimly lit and they're splashed with red light everywhere and there are various weapons being hung on the wall. Satnam Singh, Karen, and I guess it's just those two at this point. Satnam and Karen both attack them in the back. At this point, Matt Hardy, Brother Zay, and Ethan Page all come out to neutralize Satnam. They dump what looks to be fake blood all over Karen Jarrett and Jeff Jarrett. Karen and Jarrett, Karen and Jeff, Jarrett are two Jeffs here. Karen and Jeff Jarrett are both sent running through the very dimly lit hallways as they go through commercial. Now I got to watch this on Fight Plus or, or, or AW Plus, of course. But how did this look to you in, in picture in picture? All of this, uh, it it looked like nothing. It was very difficult to distinguish anything. Uh, the 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 lighting did make it very like two tones. So you couldn't actually see much action. So I guess when Jay Lethal appeared, which was during the picture and picture break you couldn't really see who it was you just saw body yeah it was difficult for me watching this like in full screen i can't imagine what it was like watching like in in a tiny you know quarter of the screen um satnam at this point is chained up under the bleachers as jared is uh who's sorry jeff hardy is chasing everybody like a horror movie monster at this point jay lethal comes in can you explain the the um cowboy hats What's the cowboy hat? Uh, it's it's not really related. It's just the Texas Chainsaw Massacre takes place in Texas, but there's not like a lot of cowboy content. It is out in the country, but <laughs> it's much more just about sort of. It, it's actually the funny thing is is not even based on a story from Texas. It's based on the case of Ed Gein, the uh, the serial killer from Wisconsin, I believe, uh, and just hit like the, this was someone who would just sort of capture people who drifted by his his ranch and he would kill them preserve the bodies and hey let's not make this podcast uh, too unpleasant for people to listen to but the cowboy hats and country gear 
I think is just a reference to it being in Texas. Um, although Satnam Singh in the overalls did seem to fit the vibe. Okay. All right. So at this point, Jay Lethal comes in. He's wearing a cowboy hat. Karen is just screaming that she wants to go home. Of course, she's playing, you know, um, the blood-soaked, like, female uh, victim mm-hmm. of a horror movie. The entire backstage area, again, is dim, dimly lit and red. They go to an area as a man opens the door in silhouette as he comes out in a cowboy outfit. And it is Sanjay Dutt. Someone in the crowd, I don't know if you, you probably didn't hear this because you're in commercial, but someone on the fight feed could clearly be had, uh, heard chanting boring in the audience. Everyone is brawling in the back as the show returns from commercial and we head back into the arena. Karen and Jeff are completely covered in this fake blood. Um, there's dry ice coming out from under this ring. The announcers are probably one of the quieter ones um, in, in the in contributing to the to the to this atmosphere because the announcers have no idea how to call this match. Finally, in the ring, the Hardys, Zay, and Paige are ganging up to attack Jeff Jarrett, and again, this crowd is silent. Jeff is about to swanton, and he lands all his weight onto Jeff Jarrett through the table, but Lethal breaks it up. At this point, Karen low blows Matt Hardy. Jeff hits Jeff Jarrett with the guitar. And then we hear the sound of a chainsaw as Leatherface enters the arena with what looks to be a a Ryobi chainsaw in neon green from Home Depot. Um, Leatherface is chasing Karen out of the arena as Satnam Singh, Jay Lethal all gang up on Jeff Hardy. Lethal delivers a hammer to the back of Hardy's head and a choke slam from Singh gives Jeff Jarrett the victory to end the Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. So um, shall I watch the movie, Kate, after this? Uh, well, if you'd like to see something completely different, sure. Uh, if it's um, <laughs> This was not the scene with the real piece chainsaw? This was not anything, but even... I guess obviously they're promoting a like it's a video game, right? Um, video game, yes. Thank yeah. you. Yes. And so they're promoting this, and I guess I, I get it. But if I'm watching that and thinking that this is what the video games like, the thing that strikes me is it's extremely unlike the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is notable. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna get it. I'm not gonna go off on too much of a thing, but. It's it's notable. It's not one of these sort of dark, soupy horror films at all. It's overlit. It has this very gritty look to it. And all I kept thinking when I was watching this was, why didn't you do this on Rampage? Rampage, to me, benefits when you do these more cinematic matches because it means that you have you don't have to keep the audience there. You can do, like, if you want a crowd, you can do something like they did with the parking lot brawl. Or you could have just done this backstage and done done something more in the spirit of what they they did during the pandemic where you don't need an audience this did not need an audience i think it was frustrating for the audience i did not hear the people yelling boring but i can well imagine that they did because this kind of thing doesn't play well for people who paid to see a live show and particularly like I don't think that they could see much more than we could. Mm-hmm. So, well, the, the, yeah, the, I didn't... The, 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 the fact that I, it was on Dynamite, I, I imagine, is just because they want the most eyeballs for this to garner whatever yeah. rate, rate of promotion that they, they got for it, you know? Yeah. I mean, but I think that in that case, if you just promoted it on Dynamite uh, and then, like, you would have still, like, you could have still had all of the around the ring promotion. 
I'm sure they got paid a lot more maybe for, for, for having an entire match dedicated to it. Um, it, it's it's a struggle. I mean, I give them a lot of credit for uh, thinking outside the box. I'm probably a bit more uh, open-minded than a lot of people when it comes to like ridiculousness like this. But I think ultimately what matters is how it, it, it hits with the audience and how it hits with the audience at home. Um, mm. I thought there were some clever moments maybe, you know, like the idea of using the under the bleachers area as like this, you know, to set up some sort of live horror movie scene. Number one, I think, is very ambitious and very difficult to execute, and um, they tried their best. But it's mm-hmm. it's a concept alone that I think was doomed to fail. You know, when you do a brawling in the back match for you know so long, um, action that was even difficult to watch for the audience mm-hmm. at home, and um, action that just wasn't all that good. You know, like, it's not like this was a match filled with incredible stunts that you could really like hang, hang, like, I don't know, at least like some wrestling value to this was just like a lot of gimmicks, you know, dry ice, like pretty campy, like Mm -hmm. gimmicks, you know? Yeah. And I get to me, like, I, I see these sort of co-branded things and I just cringe. I hate it when WWE does them. I think that AEW has kind of leaned into that a little bit before and I haven't liked it then. This just, it gave me the shivers. But then on top of everything else, I thought it did a pretty crappy job of living up to the, 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 of course, the, the highbrow history of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, I'll get off my high horse now. Well, um, I don't know if I, I, I'm guessing you weren't such a big fan of the match, but I certainly think you want for Christmas this year, Kate, your very own Texas Chainsaw Massacre championship belt, which they ended up awarding to Jeff Jarrett. Um, this thing was cool. Once you want, like, this should be a title that goes on to be defended. It should replace the FTW championship, I think. Well, it, it should be the FTW championship because That's what's it. more FTW than Leatherface? That's it. Yes, Leatherface. Leatherface. I mean, you know, uh, one of many Leatherfaces in pro wrestling, um, I, I believe, of uh, FMW fame. So now not the same one, of course. Um, so that was <laughs> that was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre match. Very curious to know what some of our audience felt about that one. Britt Baker versus The Bunny is our next match and the final match as we head to All In to determine the contestants in the four-way for the Women's Championship. This is, they tell us, The Bunny's first match back in six months. And of note here, thank you to Jay from Colorado from the fee- for the feedback section, but he noted that Kip Sabian and The Butcher are both eating catering food on their way to the ramp. I don't know if they've always eaten uh, this bit, but I guess... um. You know, just telling us that they made the drive worthwhile for something tonight. Uh, Sabian. Okay, so then Ford gets involved on the floor throughout the match during commercial. Britt Baker comes back. She's about to hit the lockjaw, but Penelope Ford takes the gloves, allows Bunny to attack her from behind. At this point, Baker fights her off, hits the stomp, and gets the win off the stomp. Um, Thought the match was relatively cold, and that probably was because of the lack of, you know... um, dispute about what this outcome was going yeah. to be the lack of like you know maybe attention given to the bunnies return um but yeah this seemed like a pretty you know expected formality I, and i think that that's the problem that's dogged the entire tournament was it was as soon as you saw the names it was very clear who was winning every single one of them and so you wonder like would it have been that much of a bad idea to the, to just say these are the four women who are involved and then 
highlight them, like you could show them having matches in the buildup. And part of the problem is I, I think that this match is pretty cold anyway. And in this case, I find it hard to blame them that with, with Jamie Hayter being injured and this was going to be her big moment, should have been her big moment, just so sad mm-hmm. that she she can't make the show. So this one it is difficult. And then it's been compounded by this this ugly, ugly incident online um, that where a lot of the people in the women's division, including um, most of the people in this match uh, were very heavily criticized. I think Baker in particular is kind of a lightning rod for people. And this match, um, unfortunately, was an example of uh, of why that might be. I, I like Britt. I think that she is a good performer. I think that she's one of their best speakers. But the problem is that her in-ring uh, is inconsistent. And this one, it was, it was a fine match. It was a very basic match. And one of the biggest complaints that is leveled about her and one of the things that people who, who kind of accuse the division of being very cliquish and, and controlled by certain people backstage is that Brit gets pushed above her abilities. And this is kind of what that looked like. So I, 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 I kind of have to disagree. I mean, like, would you not agree that she is the biggest star that they have in the division? Yes. And I think that a lot of that is on the strength of her character. I'm not saying her in-ring is bad. I'm saying that it's not always good. Mm. And I think that there is an expectation that people who are going to lead the divisions in AEW are going to be on every single time. Like if MJF was having really uneven matches, I think there'd be a lot more backlash towards him. And I get like, it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I certainly like her last appearance on TV. Um, I'm trying to even remember the opponent right now, but it was like the you know the sight of like a uh, this this really tie Valkyrie the tie match. Yes, um, that was not a good match. But I, no. I I I just personally don't really um, feel like she's been she's the criticism um or at least maybe the the volume of the criticism has been oh yeah oh no 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 no. i'm not saying it's justified i'm not saying it's justified i'm saying that when she has this match following up from a very weak match it tends to feed this very overblown criticism like i think that there is some room for criticism i think that it just gets taken to this Right. ridiculous and often yeah. gross extreme but you know the four going into Wembley uh between Sheeta, Soraya, uh Tony and Britt I feel like is a really good four you know of like you know your your top like name value stars I mean not counting I guess Jade not counting Willow and I guess you know Athena or people just that are kind of like sequestered outside of this entire mm-hmm. AEW Dynamite <laughs> title mix um I think maybe they should be involved. Like, agreed. I think, yeah. Like, I think if you were going to do, like, you know, maybe, okay, you maybe, like, well, A, maybe if you're doing more than one women's match, uh, but like, for a title program, I really would have loved to have seen Sheeta versus Athena. And, mm. like, yeah i mean the whole roh thing i'm assuming like i mean it's not like she hasn't appeared on on um you know aw programming since you yeah. know her roh title run but 
it, it it's a bit it's a bit strange i will say like i think it was a big failing like being sort of lazy with the booking of these um tournament matches i think they mm-hmm. needed I, I understand why you don't want to like yeah. you know have an athena job you don't want to have a willow job you know just to kind of like get you know tony storm into the match for instance but um there's not going to be that much drama for on, on t- for these tv matches you know um as yeah. a result um but you know, and when there's only one match per show, that affects the entire divisional program. Uh, so that is the prelude to our next segment on the show, which is the acclaimed versus two unnamed opponents uh, who are both bald. They do recap Billy Gunn's retirement at the hands of the House of Black on Collision. Max Caster comes out and he says that they got this lockdown like President Trump, um, something about being stiff like Derrick Henry. And their opponents are bald dudes who look like big hairy penises. Uh, the lights go out as the House of Black take the opponents' places and they beat down the acclaimed here. Max Caster is opened up and they steal Billy Gunn's boots. So do you think this one gets added to All In or do you see it for TV? Or All Out, I should say, maybe. I think it gets added to... I tend to think all in because I think that they want to get the biggest pop possible when Billy Gunn comes out, mm, which okay. he will. Um, yeah. I, and he joins the House of Black. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> oh no, no 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 no! House of Black. I, see this the one house is, of ass. is yeah. I <laughs> I uh, don't really want. I don't want to see the House of Black lose, but I don't know how you like if they're, they're not doing this at all in. No, they're not going to win. Uh, so yeah um all right so that remains to be seen maybe you'll get some follow-up on collision and we'll hear uh kate and Cino discuss it in our main event it is the young bucks taking on the guns i was gonna say the young guns um but the bucks taking on the old guns here the bucks attack the guns mid-entrance as matt dives off the ramp with the high cross the guns take control throughout the commercial break big hot tag to nick jackson as the bucks are about to go for the bte trigger colton saves them they hit the 310 to yuma to matt but the cover is broken up by nick austin o'connor rolls and holds colton for leverage but nick super kicks colton as matt reverses the cover and now matt holds nick's hand for leverage as the bucks cheat to get the win uh, but it's justified cheating as baby faces are often uh, you know capable of doing here at this point jay and juice attack the bucks after the bell to send a message to kenny omega they're about to pilmanize matt's arm but ftr come up for the save and they work with the bucks to drive bc gold out ftr then teases the shatter machine onto the bucks but they don't do it and instead the two of them the two teams just kind of argue as the show goes off the air so mm-hmm. thoughts on the match and uh, this final build up to FTR versus the Bucks. I think that I, I didn't, my, my first reaction was like, why did they have them cheat when they're kind of supposed to be baby faces? But then I get it. Like the, the Bucks are like that. They are kind of sneaky and they, yeah, it was almost sort of showing the young, the, the younger guns, the, uh, how to do it. You know, this is, if you want to make this work, this is, you know, take it from an expert. So didn't play that too much. I thought it was a fun match. I continue to be impressed with how much the guns have improved in the time that they have been there. And uh, I thought it kind of telegraphed what was going to happen at the the end. I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't any doubt who was winning. You did kind of think that, uh, you know, Jay and Juice were coming out to 
uh, to attack the Bucks uh, afterwards. And I kind of suspected that it was going to be FTR to come out because you want that last image of the two of them together. And yeah, look, I don't, I'm happy to see this. I think the Young Bucks versus FTR is a great match. I think that that does feel like a big deal going into to all in and I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, this is great, but you know, it's excited for the match anyway. So just... Your thoughts overall on tonight's edition of Dynamite? Um, I thought uh, it had less wrestling than I usually like to get. Uh, it had, but I did, there were a number of the talking segments that I liked, particularly Adam Cole and MJF one. I think last week they had a show that was uh, a lot of talking and that was a lot less successful. Would like to have maybe seen either another match or the matches that were there go a little bit longer. Uh, particularly would have liked to have seen more of the Darby Nick Wayne Swerve thing. But yeah, not 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 a bad match. And again, just this sort of mad rush to get stuff. Uh, ready for for all in that made it feel a little weirdly paced but you know at least we're on track we know we have nailed down what uh, what the biggest matches are going to be we think we have eight matches so far for this card and let's go through them right now because uh as of today wednesday we have for the uh well let me just pull this up here so it's a bit easier to read uh not pictured here is the buy-in match between mjf and adam cole taking on aussie open mark davis and kyle fletcher for the roh take team championships and then on the show proper we have ftr taking on the young bucks for the AEW tag team titles we've got hikaru shida versus tony storm and soraya and dr Britt baker for the AEW women's championship we have darby allen and sting versus the mogul embassies air fox and swerve strickland for uh in a tag team coffin match yes the coffin is a big part of this too and then we also have the golden elite kota Ibushi, kenny omega hangman adam page versus bullet club golds juice and jay and kanosuke takeshita with don Callis. six-man tag and then we have stadium stampede with eddie kingston orange cassidy the best friends and the lucha brothers taking on blackpool combat clubs john moxley claudio castagnoli wheeler yuda in three to be announced partners will osprey versus chris jericho and then in the main event adam cole versus mjf for the aew world championship uh, if you um, have, am i missing anything uh, i well it hasn't been confirmed yet but i'm assuming we're getting punk versus joe yes yes that yeah. seems to be the direction um do you think that we'll have any other additions um for the tbs championship that's yeah that's what i was thinking was that we we probably will get something for statlander i don't know uh i'm maybe a, a four-way her and, uh, another four-way like her and willow and mercedes and Diamante. why not just uh, although, do willow i guess you know like if you that, that's what i do but i don't know if you're having a four-way for your world title it's like a singles match feels like the bigger deal in a way. I don't and know is that bad? Is that a bad uh, thing? It is if it's your secondary title. <laughs> yeah. But I'm happy to ha- have Statlander versus Willow. I think that that could work. AW usually does babyface versus babyface dynamics pretty well. Although I think that Willow will be the clearer babyface there and has the momentum. Yeah. And obviously they're, they're building a whole lot for all out as well. So it remains to be seen what gets announced for that show. Um, do you have a predict- prediction on how long the show will be? I, I think about standard length. Um, I would imagine 
I don't really have a prediction. I'm going to say five and a half hours is my prediction. You know, Ish, yeah. That's that's about like, where they – yeah, they usually fall around five, including the pre-show. Uh, now let's go uh, ahead and get to some of your super chats and some of your feedback for your thoughts on tonight's edition of Don, uh, Dynamite or All In or whatever you guys want. Uh, first, let's go to some super chats here. And first of all, we got a brand from New Jersey who says, come on, Kate, put your ones up. <laughs> Kate is not a Kate is not as big of a fan of of uh, those segments as as you might be, Brandon. So, I will throw the one up on her behalf. And then we got a Jake Allinar who sends five dollars. Thank you for the support, Jake. He says Texas Chainsaw Mass Texas Chainsaw. It's nice that they're willing to try something new, but personally, it's also nice if they learn from this and never try it again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean there 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 are certainly limits of like this sort of co brand uh, co promotion, you know product placement inspired wrestling that i think the audience is capable of like taking on cinematic matches are almost like the perfect thing for it but this was this wasn't crazy enough i would say for to to hit that sort of like you know what the fuck cinematic match type of feel and it wasn't wrestling enough for a wrestling audience all right. At this point, thank you guys for your super chats. Let's go to form.postwrestling.com for some of your written feedback. And we first of all go to Chris Kent, who says, I really enjoyed the shotgun approach to announcing the big matches for All In tonight. Of course, they could have had a better build, but I think the lesson of the last two Forbidden Doors has been that regardless of build, the event itself is going to be great. Um I don't disagree that coming out of this show, I think we'll be buzzing about the quality of the matches that we ended up seeing, the incredible atmosphere. But like, what's the point of television if not to use to try to tell stories, not to increase anticipation? This is where I go back to what type of event this is supposed to be, because I do think it's kind of supposed to be like, like Forbidden Door. But if so, you have to make that clear that it is just going to be about these big matches. And maybe you have to do like. But are the matches that big? Like, what, That's what, what I was going to say. Hook maybe, forbidden, like, the hook of Forbidden Door is that alone you had Danielson versus Okada, you had Osprey mm-hmm. versus Omega, which on paper are matches that already sold the show. Don't really have oh, that no, on this one. No, and and I agree. I don't know that these matches are up to the level of like a forbidden door, but that's where I feel it's 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 like an orphan. Uh, and yeah, I I don't have like if you're not going to have the build, you need the star power. If you're not going if you're not going to have all the star power, you need the build. And certainly, having Danielson off in, injured is a you know that sucks for mm-hmm. <laughs> for for this one because i think he would have been a huge draw on his own uh again having plans with punk and the elite be a little iffy in the run-up to this probably hurt things yeah. um the biggest yeah. draw for this show to me is not any singular match it's it's the atmosphere it's the crowd mm-hmm. it's it's sort of the context of you know the, this record-breaking attendance and even that I feel like is a point that they, they could have hit hit a bit harder on the TV. I think like, especially like for this women's tournament, every single person involved in this women's tournament should have cut a promo talking about why I want a match mm-hmm. at Wembley stadium. Why being mm-hmm. in, on this stage is so important to me. Um, you got a bit of that with that uh, MJF and, and Adam Cole tonight. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like up and down the card, you probably needed something like that just to kind of continue to emphasize yeah. how big the setting is. I agree. 
Let's go to Brian from New Jersey, who says MJF and Adam Cole's Australian antics didn't work for me and probably won't play well to the international market, but I like their more serious promos afterward. Even though MJF talking about his MJF, or sorry, talking about his wrestling journey is very well-worn worn territory. Hardy versus Jarrett was the dumbest promotional tie-in since the zombie lumberjack match in WWE two years ago, so I hope AEW made a small fortune off of this too. The episode opened strong with Orange and Yuta and the return of Eddie Kingston to set up Stadium Stampede, and I also enjoyed these segments to build up Jericho and Osprey. Better than expected for Jericho versus Osprey since Osprey actually showed up in person. The all-in card is looking quite full now. Also, House of Black worked Wednesday after Malachi said he, he, they'd be collision only. Hopefully, they weren't banned after Brody chopped Punk too hard. Main event was decent. I mean, they appeared. Punk has also appeared on Dynamite. You know, I don't even know what collision only means at this point. You know. Well, I think in the case of the House of Black, it means that Malachi would prefer to work Saturday nights because his wife works Friday nights and it gives them the most time that they can get together. So I understand that. I don't think it means that, you know, they're never appearing on Dynamite and the value of that surprise uh, is is something that you want to hang on to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's it's not a hard and fast rule. Jordan from the Bronx says CM Punk should have used his apparent veto power to stop whatever that Texas Chainsaw Massacre match was. The show fell off a cliff for me at that point. I went into that with an open mind and left hating everyone involved with it. I hope AEW got paid a lot of money for it, but the quote Stokely Hathaway, Tony Khan will pay for his crimes. Stadium Stampede and Gigantic Wembley will be fun. I wonder who BCC could possibly recruit. Perhaps Umino, but who else? Do you have any thoughts, Kate, on who it may be? I was trying to think that, and I have to feel like Umino is definitely, um, he's a possibility. I do have it in the back of my head. You've got that, I guess, it's a Rev Pro show the mm-hmm. night before and so Shingo. there are new yeah there are new I, I would love to see like Shingo not playing a big role on Forbidden Door has been like this irritant for me for both years that uh, that it's gone on so I'd love to see him fit in uh, fit in there I so yeah but I think that you do have this opportunity to uh to to use some outside talent just because of who's going to be in the country at the time, like I was thinking Zack Sabre, but he's not really, that's not his kind of match. That's not the, like, if you're going to no. feature him, that's not where you're, where you're going to bring him in. Uh, I would again, have him call the match. Okay. I just want to hear him like cut <laughs> promos. On oh yeah. The okay. No, well, we settled it. This is how they do it. <laughs> yeah. Is this also a place where Pac can conceivably like, you know, interfere somehow? I don't know the, the extent of like, you know, if, if he can all wa- get around in any way, but I think yeah. it could be, and I don't like. They seem to be sort of teasing that he would be like. They were mentioning him a lot in uh, last week on Dynamite and again on Collision, which made me think like, oh, maybe the injury is not as bad as possible. But teaming up with the BCC is literally the one yeah, scenario right. that Never I mind. don't see working for him. Well, I meant, <laughs> I meant, I meant being in anywhere else. <laughs> I meant being involved in the match, not even as a participant, but as somebody in the arena that could, you know, deliver like some sort of like significant blow to Claudio perhaps, you know? Yeah. Okay. Someone in the chat room just mentioned Nigel McGuinness and that's, that's a possibility that the thing with Nigel. Um, Huh. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That, that's very interesting. Yeah, no, it is interesting, interesting to to a, to a British crowd. The thing with that is, if he sides with the BCC, you're bringing him in as a heel, and again, you're already toying with that dynamic a lot. Yeah. So I think Nigel yeah. will call a match, and I think that'll be his moment. You know, he'll get a big walkout. Um, 
it's hard for me to think they'll be he'll be cleared like quick because I think like any spot in a stadium stampede match would indicate a further like return. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. anything could happen. You know, it could happen. Yeah. All right, let's go to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, I thought some of the show had issues with suspending my disbelief. Do you really want me to believe that Tony Khan would get mad at the top star assaulting someone backstage? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I did think the show was good tonight, despite one particular match. I like how they actually have been building stuff leading to Stadium Stampede, which is more than can be said for Bullet Club Gold randomly attacking Kenny Omega. The Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, they definitely have to explain that, I would say, on on Collision Mm -hmm. this week, you know. And that's all it would take is just like, you know, Jay cutting a a big promo, talking about why their history together. And again, they have access to a lot of the footage, show something of like – jay and kenny omega's history because god knows you have that yeah uh the texas chainsaw massacre match wasn't as good as i was hoping i was hoping for some of the usual bullshit you get from a Jarrett match like what we got a few weeks ago against the elite but this was a bit much i'm still looking forward to all in even though the matches featuring osprey and omega seem a bit underwhelming there are a lot of options out there if you don't want to do the singles match and the two they have don't seem like the best use of them so we'll see uh, we'll see if, 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 if as a community we can uh, accept and maybe even get excited for some of these matches by the time they actually, you know, take place. And I think a lot of people are, maybe yourself included, Kate, you know, are able to kind of yeah. see through the expectations and are able to just see, well, we have some great wrestlers here and this would be a great match. Yeah, I think the thing with me, like I said, I'm much more just interested in getting great matches. And I think that we're going to get that. I think that what other people may be longing for is a greater sense of star power and highlighting of that star power. Eddie from Austin says, as someone who's also booking four weekly shows on 2K23, I have a lot of respect for endless tournaments, hot debuts with no follow-up, and announcing all the matches two weeks before the pay-per-view because you don't you really have a whole story to tell, but you want to squeeze a go-home segment in. Dynamite is always is always fun and feels like a good two hours spent. Stadium Stampede at Wembley feels like a great spot for some cameos. Who are your dream wrestling slash non-wrestling Brits to show up in the match? Um well, again, I think Pac would be like, you know, uh, maybe maybe a good storyline person for a cameo. Nigel, I think, is a great suggestion. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? <laughs> wrestling um, or non-wrestling Brits? There, oh, non-wrestling Brits. I, uh, Robbie Williams, the Spice <laughs> Girls, you know. Uh, um, uh, Tony, like, you do have a... a uh, if you do have a, a soccer team there, yeah. like they, those people would definitely be known. The, the, the entire <laughs> soccer team, the entire Fulham soccer club to run. I don't know if you like, this is, I, I don't know. I actually, Alexander Mitrovich is uh, his big striker there. I think he could, <laughs> having seen him, what he's like during games, I think he could do a match. They could actually <laughs> literally stampede over the participants yeah. of the match. Yeah. Um, so Jake says Grado, which I think would really be the bright spot for him, like in in this match. I think it'll be fun. I think they'll have a lot. Of, it'll be very creative, and and you'll get a lot of great moments. I'm sure. All right, let's go to Zubin, who says, "Great, good evening, Way and Kate. Things 
were markedly less hectic since last week with our four cats getting accustomed to each other pretty well. Well, that's good to hear. Unfortunately, this was one episode of Dynamite where a distraction would have been welcomed. I try to avoid leading, leaving too much negative feedback, so I will leave it to just the worst segment. I'm not sure what I watch in the Texas, Texas Massacre match. I applaud the attempt at creative cross-promotion, but much of the backstage stuff was cringy, especially during ad breaks on the fight feed. I realized campiness was the intent, but this swing missed huge for me. To end on a positive note, create main event with the guns and bucks. The guns have come a long way from being just obnoxiously energetic COVID crowd members. The progression in a short time is impressive. Last thing, didn't TK promise to never become an on-screen personality who got involved in storylines? Well, he didn't have that much effect here. I mean, it was just more of a cameo, maybe to to draw some sort of reference to you know what Kate was alluding to this week. I was waiting for him to make an announcement. Um, that, that'll be after all out. I'm sure there'll be plenty of announcements on the week after all, like on the dynamite right afterwards. Yeah. Probably who's suspended. <laughs> yes. I, I meant all in, but you're right. Yeah. After all out too. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Kane says disappointed with the build to all in the matches are good on paper. We get that we've gotten that, but you need story. The great big jam-packed events of the past had at the very least one epic headline match that drives the frenzy to fill those seats. It's the story and emotional investment from the storytelling that keeps filling those seats afterwards. Wembley is filled on blind faith. It's the first big mega show for this company, the first event in the UK on a holiday weekend, so AEW has that working to their advantage. But because of all the circumstances with talent and booking, both public and private, this show could quite possibly be their last big stadium event. I love AEW. I followed since its inception, gone to their shows, bought their merch, but this build is just weak. They'll deliver in the ring, have solid, enjoyable matches, but then what? Do they think this will positively affect the, their domestic audience? Attendance. This show isn't WrestleMania 3. This isn't a formative event for the company. It's a big band-aid to a bigger issue. See, unfortunately, I think that that is very typical of a lot of the reactions I've heard from British fans who are going. And mm-hmm. that will, like, if that audience is sour on the show, then it's going to affect the, the, like, the, the overall vibe of the show a lot. What I would say is, like, I disagree that there isn't one big story going into this because MJF and Cole has consistently been your biggest draw. Uh, and when you look at the viewership patterns, it's a story that a lot of people are invested in. Now, does it feel big enough for, for Wembley? We can have that discussion, but mm-hmm. I don't agree that. And certainly the stuff with Callis um where, you know, vis-a-vis Omega and also vis-a-vis Jericho, those are stories. Are they worthy of Wembley? That's a discussion. But I don't agree that there aren't stories there. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are comparing this to, to a WrestleMania build. And on a WrestleMania <laughs> build, up and down the card, every match, you know, is at least for the <laughs> most part teased, if not like two weeks, three weeks, maybe a year ahead of time. <laughs> and I think that's what people were looking for for this simply because of the scale yeah. of this particular show. And this show <laughs> is not that. AEW yeah. is not a same type of product yeah. as WWE. They yeah. don't look the same. And this oh. is, this is, I think, part of the problem they run into is when you are a sort of a second brand, you are held both to your own standards. And for AEW, that means just putting great in-ring uh, product uh, forward 
And also they're held to the standards of the market leader, which is WWE. So yeah. you're constantly doing this juggling match. So I'm not saying that this is that this has been a great build, but there are some mitigating factors that I think. So I could excuse maybe like the, the sort of like last minute types of things. But if you do that, like I think the matches have to be the ones doing the talking you know the matches on the marquee have to be the ones doing the talking and that's what omega uh, omega versus osprey was that's what danielson versus um uh, okada was um this card is missing that dream match you know and on a show where i think people were probably expecting several uh dream Mm -hmm. matches um cole and mjf is a good you know sort of like your weekly tv match building up to like a big moment but even that is not going to be any culmination it's going to be you know uh, one of the i would say second chapter because they had their first chapter on tv but this feud is not culminating at all in it's continuing after all in i would suggest i don't know you think that you think it ends you don't think there's a, a third match coming off of this um, I think there may, but I, I kind of think that you, that, uh, they might want to, again, it'd be a quick reset, but, uh, my feeling was that they, since they've been mentioning this world versus real world title, I thought that the aim was to, to pivot hard to MJF versus punk. Hmm. Then again, like with no tease of that whatsoever, it's, it's like, it may be too quick to do the reset. That might've so been the plan. Yeah. But like, I can't see them building that to that match in one week's one week's time. I mean, no. it's, it's possible. Um, yeah. I, like I would, I would have set some sort of like turn tournament at that point, or at least like some suggestion to, to be able to say, you know, whoever <laughs> wins Joe versus punk is going to go on to face this other, other guy. Um, but I don't even know how you build to an, a third Cole versus MJF in that time frame. This is, I think, the problem that. Oh, but, not for all out. Not for all out. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that you can do it like anyway. But that's that's yeah. a whole different issue. Yeah, it, it is. Um, but you know, I I I see a lot of Mr. Kane's points. At, at the same time, we've been through this with the AEW in the past, where I think mm-hmm. cards have looked underwhelming on paper, but we almost always come out of them like very satisfied with the quality, and that's all they they need to i think get people coming back is to deliver a really strong show can they fill an eighty thousand, you know plus stadium again that's certainly going to be a question whether or not this was a good show um but i think if the card's good you'll get people coming back for the next show at least on pay-per-view um and i think there's room for surprises you know osprey and omega Mm -hmm. are on this show i think they should interact in some way um Mm -hmm. who knows who else might make a big return you know on on a card like this Okay, let's go up next to Saeed from Vancouver, and we'll make this our last piece of feedback today because we are going a bit longer here. Saeed from Vancouver says, another hot crowd for Dynamite and Orange Cassidy is fun to watch. Would Who would have guessed it? Fun tag match for Nick and Darby. Nick is such a talent. Can't wait to see him keep getting better. I wasn't a fan of the Texas Chainsaw match. Not my cup of tea and a typical Dynamite women's match. At least the Fatal 4-Way at All In will be fun. Overall, fun show. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, thank you so much, Kate, for joining me here. I will be talking to thank you, you so again much for having me this week on Rewind a Smackdown exclusively okay. in the Post Wrestling Cafe as you and I talk about WWE and uh, what's even happening on the show. Do you remember what they promoted? Um, I think, you know, I, I don't know what they, they I don't know what they promoted, but I think that the thing that people are tuning in for is what's going to happen with Jey Uso. 
That's right. Yes. Um, and then I'm sure maybe we'll get some updates on uh, the Rampage that will be happening uh, concurrently with the live stream as well. So maybe we'll get even more announcements for Collision, did if not even all in. announce anything for Rampage tonight? They did not. In fact, uh, Sino in the chat room, um, let us know what the card is. If you let me scroll up, I can even bring it up here. Um, so uh, they did not. Excalibur had a lot to go through, I suppose. So he did not um, talk about it. Let me just see here. Uh, Rampage card. You know what? If I can't find it in the next few minutes. If they can't put it on their show, there's no reason you should. Sino says Commander versus Ray Phoenix, Ozzy Open versus Ethan Page and Isaiah Cassidy. Has to be more than that, but yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a women's match in there. And that's one thing they they are religious about one match per show, and that includes Rampage. That is correct, yes. Uh, so Fight for the Fallen Rampage and then Fight for the Fallen Collision Course, which Kate will be talking about with John Cena this Saturday evening. Uh, look very much forward to it. Thank you again, Kate. Where can people follow you? Thank you so much for having me. You can find me, uh, aside from here, <laughs> a lot this week. You can find me on Twitter. I am She Rants About Wrestling, which is at She Rants MTL. And on Threads, I am just at She Rants About Wrestling. How is Threads? How do you like it? It's kind of slow. <laughs> I think it's... Um... It's kind of the opposite in Twitter in that, like, no one's saying much of anything. So, unfortunately, like, you'll get some content, but unfortunately, it's like, whereas Twitter is, like, just sort of this, this loud. hellscape of just people screaming at each other. Threads is like, there's no discussion happening. It's just <laughs> sort of like, here, thing I did. Here, thing I think. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, follow her on both Threads and at X. And we will talk to you guys later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.